Welcome to the podcast, Life with Jerry Williams. I'm Jerry Williams. On this episode, going to go back into the archives for a conversation I had, I guess about three, three and a half years ago with an old friend, and I think probably someone that you will recognize, Amy Grant. That is coming up on the podcast today. First, this week's good news. There is a new study out of Australia that is great news if you're a coffee lover like I am. It shows that drinking between two and three cups of coffee per day may actually help protect against death related to liver disease. And that that protection actually increases when you drink four or more cups of coffee. I don't know if that means you keep drinking and never stop drinking coffee. You'll never die of liver disease, but bring on another cup of coffee. You know, they have come up with a way in Botswana to keep cattle from being attacked by big cats like lions, leopards, and cheetahs. They've had a lot of problem there. Farmers and, and herdsmen losing cows, losing cattle to these big cats who attack a lot of times at night. They'll sneak up behind and drag the cattle off and, and have dinner, feed the young. Well, they did a study, the University of South Wales came in, and they did a four-year study with 14 different herds. And what they did is very simple, very inexpensive, and very effective. What they did was they painted eyeballs on the butts of the cattle. Yes, they painted what looked like eyeballs on the backsides of the cattle. And this apparently confused the big cats. Because there's something about the eyes. Big cats don't want to attack you head on. They would much rather sneak up on you. So they took these 14 different herds. And in each herd, they painted an eyes on the backside of one third of the cows. On another third, they painted a cross. And then in the other third, they just left them alone. Well, over the course of four years, not a single cow with eyes on their backsides were attacked. Very simple, very inexpensive, very effective way of preventing attacks on cattle. You know, if you're feeling a little bit down, what you ought to do is smile. I know, you don't feel like smiling. doesn't matter. Smile anyway, because emotions follow actions. Even if you're faking it, if you smile, you're going to feel happier. Research shows that the muscle movement involved in smiling stimulates the emotional center of your brain that releases neurotransmitters to encourage an emotionally positive state. So smile, even if you got to fake it, smile and you will feel happier. And now the top B story of the week, because I am a beekeeper and I'm interested in this sort of stuff. And bees are important to all of us, whether you have them or not. It's kind of a good news, okay news kind of story, at least not a bad news. Uh, United States Department of Agriculture reported that U.S. honeybee colonies had an 8% growth rate year over year for January 2020. In January 2019, there were 2.67 million honeybee colonies in America, commercial or you know owned by beekeepers, not wild colonies. In January 2020, that was up to 2.88 million, though there were about average losses reported during the spring. Researchers think part of the reason there was that growth in the winter may be that this past winter was almost perfect for honeybees. Not cold enough for many of them to freeze, 
but not so mild that the honeybees were very active and going out and, and, and flying around and eating up their honey stores because that's what they keep the honey for to get them through the winter. So if it's not so cold that they're not freezing, but not so warm that they're out flying around and they've got enough honey, they will make it through the winter. And apparently that's what happened this past winter. We are going back in the archives once again on the podcast and on this episode, going back to April of 2017 for a conversation I had with Amy Grant. Amy was supposed to be doing a show in Atlanta for some reason. I think that show actually got canceled, so she she never made it to town. But we talked about what kept her going. Why does she continue to tour? And then she went on to tell me about a lot of the projects that she is doing that really don't involve music or at least not directly involve music or at least involve her performing at all. So here's a part of that conversation from April, 2017 with Amy Grant. Part of the reason of touring, part of the reason I enjoy touring is that any income that I can generate, I come back and pour it into programs Mm. at the farm because I mean, obviously all of this that we do, at the farm is just, um, it's all volunteer, you know, but it's been, it's crazy because I, I look at any opportunity to tour and I go, Oh gosh, well then maybe we could, it, it allows me to enhance programs here. But to me, that's the adventure of life. And if you look at every person as we are connected, we're already connected. And so the adventure is how do we pursue community in the context of already being connected? And sometimes that's wonderful, and sometimes it's scary, and some, you know, because yeah. people are a mess. You know that phrase, loved people love people, yeah. and hurt people hurt people. And, you know, I've had some hairy, scary experiences, too, but I just look at it and go, well, you got to show up. Show up and, and bring yourself and see where it goes. And it's funny, it's like, it's all of the non-musical things that have re-energized me to go sing all these old songs. That's amazing. Yeah, yep. It feels like a gift to to still get to do that, and and you know, and then the crazy thing is that people will. I've had longtime fans that have come and volunteered to help with camp, and you know, maybe it was somebody that used to bring me flowers at the front of the stage, and <laughs> now I look over and they're they're leading a hike, and I go, man, I appreciated the cookies that you brought, but this is so much more important because yeah. two hundred twenty five kids a week that's a that's a workload. But to have somebody saying, I love your song, let me help. It's like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Life is an adventure, isn't it? Oh, boy, it sure is. It's a shame to waste it. Shame to waste one moment of it. Yep. And my my plan is to run and gun and enjoy it, and then one day just drop dead and be broke. (laughs) (laughs) Are you working on anything new? I have a lot of material that I want to write about, and it has to do with this experiment that we launched at our farm on December 31st. So I bought a farm years ago in the mid-90s, 94, actually, and a friend of mine last fall asked if she could host a small women's retreat there, and it was in November, and I said, look, this is like primitive. There are three little tiny one-room cabins that surround an outdoor fire pit, 
there's not, you have to bring water in, it's an outhouse, there is electricity, but I said, November, God, this could be, this could be beyond primitive. And she said, yeah, but I'm working with these women and I want them to take a risk. You know, if you want to change anything in your life, you have to take a risk to do things differently. That's how change happens. And so I helped her set up. I mean, we brought out camping cots, sleeping bags, pillows. We cleaned those three tiny little one-room cabins. Um, we brought out art supplies, cooking, coffee maker, teapot. It was a lot of work, honestly. And I called her Sunday night. I was doing Christmas rehearsals. And I called her on Sunday night and said, well, okay, debriefing, how did it go? And she laughed and she said, well, half of us are still sitting around the fire. <laughs> And I went, well, great, spend another night and call me back. So the next night I called her. The next night I had just gone and I think I had taped Tennessee Christmas for the CMA Christmas special. Anyway, you know, I mean, I'm sitting there doing like <laughs> my regular job thing. I called her on Monday night. So it was her fourth night out there. And she said, Amy, I have all of these projects and activities for us to do, but some of the women are still here at the fire. All we needed was the fire. And this was the first week of November, and I said, hang with me just for a second. I mean, who doesn't wish that they could be pulled out of the daily grind? And I said, just let me say this idea out loud. What if we started a fire in that fire pit on December 31st, and I invited friends to come and keep the fire for 48 hours at a time? And they could, I don't have to be there, they can have a 48-hour party, they could be a romantic getaway, it could be solitude, and we, we supply all those basics. And they basically bring, you know, two days worth of clothes and a picnic. Anyway, so, and I said, hey, if it lasts a week, how awesome. What a great reminder of all the fires that we tending in our lives, friends, relationships, dreams. But I asked people to sign up because, you know, if, if you're signed up for something, then you feel the responsibility. I'm not going to let the fire go out on my watch, mm-hmm. even if it's bad weather. And I thought, what if it lasts for like 21 days? What if it lasts? Anyway, I drove out to the farm this morning because the fire is still going. That's amazing. I know. And a family was just there over the weekend. We had three or four days of torrential downpour. And there was a family out here, a husband and wife and three daughters, and the youngest is not even a year old. <laughs> and I called, the la- I called the last night. I said, is that fire still going on? Because my feeling is if when it goes out, it goes out. And the, the dad, he's in his late 30s, and he said, this is so crazy because there was actually water in the fire. It's a huge, like, cast iron fire holder and my son designed a top that can be placed on it to create like a chimney. And so anytime bad weather, snow, rain, they put that top on it. And overnight they put that top on so it keeps the embers hot. And he said, there's actually water under the fire, in the, but the fire's still going. Uh, so I drove out here today to check on, on the woman. Uh, and she had a son that she took to school and came back and I said, he's going to smell like smoke. And she said, he doesn't care. It, it's crazy. Couples have come out here, men's groups, retreats, and it's just like, it has been such a community experience. And then this weekend at the farm, uh, on a different part of the farm, we're hosting for a small, it's a pilot program for veterans who have been diagnosed with severe PTSD, 
and we're doing a music therapy program where we pair each veteran, and they're all young, we pair them with an established songwriter, a Nashville songwriter, and we they are find a way to tell a part of their story but reframe it in a creative setting. And they're finding that that's very helpful in dealing with PTSD. And then by the end of the weekend, those songs will be performed here. And then in June, we're having two weeks of day camp. How are you letting people know about these? How, how did the veterans find out about it? Or how, how are the people finding about the day camp or keeping the fire going? Well, the, the camp is, uh, it's a camp called Barefoot Republic. And it's, it's 60% scholarship. It's a faith-based camp that brings kids together from all different racial, socioeconomic backgrounds. And we always need volunteers. The camp this summer is already sold out, 225 kids a week. And so that's online. It's called Barefoot at the Farm. And this, I, I mentioned this music therapy program. So this pilot program is small. I think we have... But we worked with the VA here in Nashville, and we're hoping to start programs like this around the country. But this first one, because there's such a density of songwriters here. Uh, and then B- Bedell Guitars, they're, they, the guitars are made in Bend, Oregon, but they're actually giving guitars to each of the veterans. They're using the farm, but, but Mac Bailey is the music therapist, and this is done through an organization called Challenge America that's based in Aspen, Colorado. But they came to Nashville last fall. Vince and I have done fundraising for this organization for about 16, 17 years. And the Keeping the Fire, I started by inviting my family, but it's just word of mouth. There's actually not a sign-up because it's, I mean, I guess on some level, somebody needs to know somebody. Yeah. It would be like asking somebody to house-sit. But, on, you know, I met a porter at Lake Oconee, the Ritz-Carlton Lake Oconee, when I was hosting an event there, and we became friends, and he's a dad with five kids, and he texted me in December and said, I'm making a trip to Tennessee to pick up a dog. I'm looking for some kind of really rustic experience to share with my children. I'm just picking your brain because you're near where we're picking up the dog. I said, have I got a rustic experience for you? So it's weird. In a way, I feel like People are being brought to me Mm -hmm. to do this. And so these are all invitations that I personally extend. I had one of the vice presidents of HCA, which is, you know, healthcare is a huge thing here in Nashville. And he and his wife came. They brought friends I didn't, had never met, but I met their friends. You know, so it's kind of, we're watching the ripple effect of community. Yeah. But I just, you know, I try to drive up to the hilltop every couple of days, and I bring more water and coffee and half and half, and I, I go, hi, I'm Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's Amy Grant. I, I've known Amy since, golly, I think the first time I, I met her and talked to her had to have been like 84, 85. I've been to her home for dinner. And we've hung out backstage. She always asks about the kids. Tremendous, tremendous lady, tremendous talent. Just recently was in the news for having open heart surgery. She continues to tour and write and and perform. She's got dates on her uh, website, amygrant.com, into 2021. So she is still going strong. That conversation was from April of 2017. Amy Grant from the archives. This past week was, I I guess, 
kind of an average week for me and and for my family. No big events, no major milestones, just another kind of quiet, ordinary week. Now, you know, we all experience those big events. There are births and graduations and weddings and first day on the new job and death. And with the possible exception of that last item on the list, we all kind of look forward to those big things. And annually, we plan for and count the days until those annual big days, like Christmas or your birthday or an anniversary or going on vacation. But it's often the things we experience while waiting for those major once-in-a-lifetime or once-a-year events that provide us with the most joy and make our lives so rich. Those small pleasures that can so easily be missed or discounted are actually what keep us moving forward through the day-to-day of life, if we know to spot them and appreciate them. Now, I've been to more baseball games than I can count, and to be honest, I could not tell you the score of any one of them. But I still remember the way it felt the first time I walked into Yankee Stadium with my dad. And I remember the look on my kids' faces the first time I took each of them to the house that Ruth built. The pleasures of the moment are often intensified, multiplied by the people we experience them with. Of course, our ability to relish those small pleasures is largely dependent on how we perceive them. In the New Testament book of James, James writes that every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. Now, if that's our frame of reference, it's pretty easy to find those pleasures and to celebrate them. Of course, the greatest gift we have ever and will ever receive is our salvation, bought at the dearest of prices, the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross. That gift changes us at the most fundamental level. Because of God's wondrous demonstration of love, our very beings are transformed And our outlook on all of life is changed. Each day, God provides us more evidence of his love. And it's plain to see if we're open to it, realizing that every sunrise, every moment spent in the company of family and loved ones, every rain shower and cool evening are among those small pleasures that God has gifted us with. And that is about all I have for you for this episode of Life with Jerry Williams. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will subscribe to the podcast, that you'll give us a review if your platform allows that, and a five-star rating that will help other people find the podcast as well. On the on the episode before this one, the one with Jordan Felice talking about how he met his wife, I'm still looking for those stories on how we met. Your romantic story, perhaps, is one that will inspire other people. If you are interested in sharing that, just email me, the email address podcast at jerrywilliamsmedia.com, and I'll put that in the show notes 
for this episode. I'll also put a link to my blog on the joyfm.com website, the radio station where I work. I post just about every day on that website, on my blog there, highlights of the show. And so if you're interested in, in more of the, the good news kind of stuff and fun things and, and music videos and all that, I post that stuff up there just about every day. I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode as well. Another episode coming up next week. I hope that you will uh, allow me to share with you again on Life with Cheery Williams, the podcast.